This poem is called How to Shut Up Journalists, an instruction manual. It's inspired by Jason Kenney. I reject the premise of your question. Your question, I reject. Rejecting your question, I object. Premising your questioning on a rejection, the premise of which I reject, thus I will reject your premise, even if you are premising a questioning of rejectioning. Amen. Welcome back to Women of AB Poly. I'm your host, Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. And today I have two guests with me who recently launched a book. Bigfoot, Buffalo and Bumbles, the Jason Kenney Poetry Project. Yes. So with me today is Dr. Jackie Seidel from the University of Calgary. She's an associate professor at the Workland School of Education. And welcome, Jackie. Thank you. (laughs) And also... Dr. Darlene St. George from the University of Lethbridge, where she is an assistant professor in the Faculty of Education. Welcome, Darlene. Thank you. It's like I haven't talked today. So let's begin um, because, like I was saying, I have I was reading the about section in uh, on the Jason Kenny Poetry Project.com and. When I was looking through that, I mean, it gave the great background to how this all started. Let's go back to that because it is, it's a cool story. Sure. Um, I'll start since I started the project <laughs> uh, I was, uh, in just very early in, I guess, what was that last year, 2020, I was teaching a social studies methods course at U of C to our teacher education students. And so we're following politics very closely in Alberta, in Canada, and around the world as part of our process. And so I was sitting in my office in the dark one night preparing and uh, watching the legislative session. And I heard Jason Kenney deliver a 30-minute rant uh, as he was introducing Bill 1, which is the, what's the name of it now? Um, Critical Critical Infrastructure Defense Defense Act. Act. (laughs) And uh, so then he went on this rant talking about uh, all of his enemies and all the enemies that were the reason that we needed this act in Alberta. And uh, so just when I'm sitting there in my office in the dark, totally alone in the building, I think, and it just struck me in that moment that if I pulled out all those words and made a list of them, they could be a found poem. So that became the first poem. So I went home, I listened to it again, I pulled them all out. Of course, they're also in the Hansard. And some of them then in the final poem came from a news conference that uh, followed it. But most of them were right from uh, his rant and speech in the legislature. And so uh, I wrote that first poem and I kind of got hooked on it after that. They started to just appear in front of me and uh, I couldn't help myself. So how they would appear is I would be listening to a news conference uh, or reading the news 
or uh, reading the legislative sessions and a title would just appear in my mind when I wasn't even paying attention or looking for one. And so if a title appeared, then I would write it down. And so I wasn't necessarily going out to seek to write a poem. I was just following politics in my regular ways that I was following politics uh, for many, many years. But somehow this became a habit and I started posting them uh, on Facebook just for my friends and not thinking I would ever do anything with them. And uh, it was just like a little side project I had on the go. So then I heard from Darlene. So Darlene can tell you the next part of the story. Yeah, so for me, um, uh, like our stories uh, in the book uh, talks about, um, I was quite stressed. I, I was experiencing um, the upheaval uh, and isolation of COVID. Uh, I was being impacted by the education cuts. Uh, my students were being impacted. Our faculty was being impacted along with faculties all across uh, the province. And um, I was having trouble sleeping. And so one night I was scrolling through my Facebook and they say never to look at Facebook when you're having trouble sleeping. <laughs> I think um, I came across one of Jackie's poems and I literally had I had coffee or tea in my mouth, I would have spit it out because I just laughed out loud. I think it was probably two in the morning or three in the morning or something silly like that. Laughed out loud, at, but at the same time, uh, cried because it was uh, very impactful and visceral. And, you know, I had, I just had this, you know, overwhelming feeling like this was really important work. And I knew, uh, Jackie and I knew each other as colleagues, but we had never met. And um, I was compelled right at that moment. And I texted her through our Facebook friend link. Said, okay, well, I'm just going to take a chance. And I texted her uh, that I would be willing to support uh, her work by designing a book. Awesome. And um, I was hoping that uh, she would respond to that. And I think she did, you know, over a week or something. And then like Jackie, you know, she hadn't intended to create, you know, all of these poems and and I hadn't intended on creating, you know, the artwork uh, that acts as another layer. Um, I was thinking, simply thinking of the designing and supporting the poems with the book. So I want to pull out a couple of things, actually, because, I mean, ever since I can remember, honestly, I've always been a writer, but I started with poetry. And when you were talking about how, you know, these things would just appear, they keep you up at night. Mm -hmm. right like I remember I remember times when I would have something running through my head and I would have to get up write it down so I could go to sleep because it just kept going over and over again and 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 so is this something that just happens to writers I mean is that like is is yours writing as well like <laughs> I'm just kind of curious yeah, I think my, my relationship with writing is like that and has been since I was a child. So okay, uh, since I first really started to read around grade three or four, I thought I just want to be a writer like that became my goal. And I used to write in my head, like skipping home from school and just stuff would appear in my mind. And I didn't write it down much as a child, but I would play around like, oh, this is the first paragraph of a book. And okay. uh, or a poem, and I didn't tell anybody that I was writing them or writing things down. So I think it always has been a way that I related with the world. And I really love poetry and literature. And uh, 
my master's supervisor, Dr. Paro Lego, who was at UBC, who he died two years ago, but was the greatest mentor of my entire life. And he was a poet and did poetic research and poetic inquiry as part of his process. And so I ended up writing my master's thesis. A, a lot of it is po as poetry and wow. poetry about teaching, poetry about teaching experiences. And so I think that really, that experience in the late 90s really got me thinking about how poetry can be used to represent uh, the life world around us, political events, social events, the way we feel, the way our bodies are, what's happening in the world, and that uh, poetry is a very legitimate form of scholarly research, and it's a legitimate form of representation. And I mean, humans have left poetry for a very long time. If we look back in history, there's poetry everywhere in every language, every culture has forms of poetic representation. And so I think in our contemporary culture, poetry kind of sits around the margins sometimes. Mm -hmm. And unless you're listening to music. And it, well, yes, <laughs> it's there all the time. And people really love that. And actually, when I talk to students at the university, I'm never surprised anymore at the number of them that write poetry. Like it okay. is a lot of people write poetry and have kind of a secret, what they think is their secret passion for poetry. So I think, yeah, I don't, I kind of lost the track of what your original question was. <laughs> I have been thinking a lot, like, I don't think all politics lends itself that naturally to poetry, but there was something about, or the way I did it anyways, with the found poems, but there was something about the way that Jason Kenney speaks and that the UCP, some of the MLAs, not all of them, mm -hmm. but some of them speak and the things that they post on social media. I mean, I didn't change the words in most of them at all. They're just exactly the way that they were said. And they right. just lend themselves to being written on the page this way. And that really struck me. Okay. As I was going along, like some of the MLAs, there's like no poet. It, it, I couldn't make a poem with their <laughs> I wasn't trying to, right? It only right. was something, if it just came, just arrived at me. So I don't really have a final answer to your question. <laughs> well, I, I think I, I think I just kind of wanted to know if that was, if, if the process of it, like kind of coming to you essentially was, was something that was similar to the experience that I had with it. Yeah, maybe. I never wrote found poetry before, really, in my whole life. So this was a totally new experience <laughs> for me. But worked really well. Um, and Darlene, now you, like you've, you've said, and your, your contribution to it was more visual art aspect. Mm -hmm. And so I, I guess my, my question with that, too, is do you find that something visual it's, it's those thousand words, right? It's worth those mm -hmm. thousand words and you can read something and think and, and something kind of forms in your mind of what you're looking for. Or do you do it the other way around where you're finding the visual and then you match it? That's an interesting question. I think it could go uh, either way and in various ways. I think the, the, the text, the poetic text certainly uh, is, is um, compatible, you know, as a symbol if you want to say, or even okay. metaphors, it's compatible in that way with the visual. And like Jackie, uh, my dissertation, actually, that's, that's where we link as well, because Carl Lego was on my committee. And um, I also call myself a poet, but my dissertation was a, a combination of visual and poetic. So I combine all the time. Okay. So that's natural for me. 
in the case of this book here, I think that the uh, the, the images emerged uh, from the context and, and being with the poetry. Do you find that this collection that you've put together now, when you're looking back on it, are you looking at it as, and speaking of woven, is it is it pandemic or is it, you know, or is it uh, just, I mean, we have, I, I follow politics an unhealthy amount, to be honest. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it is like, we've been going through just a mass of difficulty with, with our, our leadership's messaging and, and there's been a lot of difficulty, but 2020 was also an extremely tumultuous time because of everything else that was going on. And even, even prior to 2020, 2019, the climate march, things like that, does it feel political to you or does it feel like, um, or does it feel like a memoir? That's interesting. I think we kind of looked at it as like a type of artifact. Yeah. Maybe uh, Jackie would, uh, talk about the memoir part maybe I don't know but it is a complex story and that's mm-hmm. that's the idea that the that the poems and and the visual work um, act together as an artifact to tell this very complex story you know to 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 process it even right. you know for me at a personal level just to navigate um being in a pandemic, being isolated, um, you know, listening to the stories of um, my friends and family and students and colleagues, um, along with all the cuts, along with the political um, upheaval mm-hmm. uh, that was ha- so, it is very complex, and that's the beauty of a, like a creation based type of process that it can hold that complex story without with honoring all of it together right mm-hmm. so an artifact in a way. what do you think Jackie yeah I agree with what Darlene said it's a kind of artifact of this time and the time that we wrote them in so it is bounded like I know we kind of joked in the title that it's volume one but I don't really <laughs> think there's going to be a volume two it's very tiring I still do write them sometimes <laughs> but um you know, I think that it's a kind of a documentary that witnessed this time mm-hmm. and that it was going to remember it. So, you know, if somebody reads this five years from now, it will be hard to remember all those things that happened. And that's why I documented them so carefully. So you probably noticed at the bottom of each of the poems, it has the footnotes. very notes, <laughs> documented yeah. context, because if someone didn't hear it, they wouldn't know where it came from or who said it or how it came to be. And I put links so that people can look it up for themselves if they want to see more of it. And so um, I really did see it as a form of documentary making for this time. And that as a collection, they started because when I started the first one that was called My Enemies by Jason Kenney, and it was published in Alberta Views. So I had written three and that was like before the pandemic. And I sent them to Alberta Views and I thought, oh, I'll never hear from them. And then like, you know, a few months later, I get an email from them that said, hey, we want to publish this poem, My Enemies. And so it appeared in Alberta Views. And I've been thinking, like, it's so different to see that poem just by itself. 
right one versus the weaving of all of them together and you know they tell this story of I think it is about the pandemic because we're in a pandemic but the poems show like an enormous amount of wasting of time instead of help instead of supporting people and supporting life in the province you know they're talking about Bigfoot and the war room is doing its thing and the Allen inquiry is on and they're attacking curriculum. And so it shows a kind of chaos that was mm-hmm. happening at the same time that there's so much suffering in the process mm. with people losing jobs, people being sick, people being very, very stressed um, about their lives and how this would work out. And, you know, they're in the legislature making ridiculous statements about socialism. And for people that don't follow what happens in the legislature, they might not know that's what MLAs are doing with our tax dollars. And so this like enormous amount of fooling around. That's what I see when I look at it. I don't find it funny <laughs> at all. I feel really angry when I read a lot of them because I think like, why were you doing that? And why are you putting out these statements? And why are you attacking like Ecojustice and Amnesty International and doing all these things? Well, we're in the biggest public health emergency on the planet in the last hundred years, as well as a climate crisis. And so I feel to me, that's why I saw this as an important part of my work as a teacher and as a researcher that I was documenting something really important in the moment it was happening. And I didn't mean to do that. I didn't set out to do that at all with the first ones, but that's what it became. And then as Darlene and I started to work together, like last about a year ago, it really became that, like really carefully documenting all of the ones so far. And then I did keep writing more and then talking about what the art could look like, how to organize them, what could the sections be called, which poems should we include in it? Because I did have more than this, but to really try to create a coherent document that told this story of what's happened in Alberta during this time. So I think it's a documentary. That's what I would describe it as. As I've gotten further and further into political narratives I realize in so many cases how far away some of them are from what anybody else is even remotely concerned with right and there were certain things that I picked up on uh, as majority support was was waning for a lot of things and I started to look at how that narrative was really missing the point with with the majority of people. And I think it was something that came out um, a lot more strongly, I think maybe even during the pandemic when, when so many people thought that the focus should be on the pandemic and, and it wasn't right. Like it was, it was just astoundingly um, it, I want to say thoughtless, but I'm pretty sure it was quite thoughtful that, that it just, wasn't even mentioned they're doing something completely different and 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 I I wonder um because for the beginning of the pandemic I've said quite often that I think that people had to pay attention right this was you it wasn't your normal in between elections where you can just turn everything off and you'll come back to it when there's another election coming and during the pandemic we had people who um you know were at home either working from home or the or business was closed, whatever. And, you know, even uh, so I got my, my haircut uh, twice in the last two years. <laughs> and, and both of those times, um, talking with my stylist, and the first time he was saying, I really hope 
like this was 2020. And he said, I really hope that people, you know, work together to make sure that we don't have to shut down again because he, he was that in-person business. And a year later when I went and saw him and he said, you know, he, he said, every time that we've shut down, he said, we've been glued to the news. It's the last thing we see before we go to bed. It's the first thing we turn on in the morning because we're trying to find out what's happening. Mm-hmm. And, and this, this, this collection of poems so much shows us that it, that it, that there were all of these, these strange things going on. And I think that's one of the reasons why you know, you've seen such a popularity drop because people are like, you've got to be kidding me. That is not what should be on our agenda. Yeah. I think like when I think back over that time and what's in the book, it's like the stuff about parks, stuff about coal mines, the disaster of a new curriculum draft was brought out. And I mean, I'm sure you can imagine what still exists. what kind of of state that put us into in universities and schools when really teachers and education professors and people working in the education field had their minds really on how to live through this pandemic and still uh, be in a community and educate children and educate uh, university students. And at the same time, there's like this ridiculous stuff going on all around, you know, and cuts to healthcare in the middle of it. And when I look back at the poems, I'm even surprised, even though I've looked at them literally, I can't even say how many times as I doc, as I worked on the documenting part and like fact checking all of them again, but there's one in there by Jason Luan called uh, Second Wave Blues. And I was reading it the other day and it was from a year ago, from November, 2020. And mm-hmm. he's saying like, none of us imagined this was gonna happen, kind of something like that. And, you know, not as fast as it's happening. And we could change that like right now into this time and hear those same words. And it kind of echoes and feels the same that I'm like, who is giving you advice and who is guiding you and you're listening to them or you're just focusing on coal mines and socialism, whatever that is. And, you know, the (laughs) inquiry and like all these other things, instead of focusing on taking care of citizens properly, which is their job. Yeah. And what did you find, darling, when you were, when you were going through this, like, did it, um, when you were looking for your visuals, were there instances when you were like, you know, looking at the particular poem and saying, how do, how do I put this into a visual? Because it wasn't, there was nothing going on that required this. I guess, how did you, I want to say, create something to go with some of these things that, Mm shouldn't have been well, there. A- <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I can go to, um, there's a, there's a sec, a political section called uh, political bumbles. Yeah. And, um, and once you take a look at the book, there's, there's banners, there's usually an image that starts that particular section, uh, for the, for the political bumbles, uh, Jackie and I were talking about it and so on. And we kind of started talking about Jason Kenny's blue truck, And, um, and I was thinking about that blue truck and, you know, did a bit of research around that. And and it seemed to me that, you know, that he had kind of filtered uh, all of Alberta identity along with his own in this blue truck. And I thought that was very fascinating. Um, So what I did with the artwork, of course, I have um, the theme color for the banner is blue and I've superimposed him driving laughing 
uh, in a toy blue truck, like okay. a little toy blue truck. And so that play, you know, with um, reality fantasy kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, starts there. Um, and then I was thinking about, you know, that he's he's in this in this space, but kind of oblivious as to everything that's going on around him. And so the background of that banner is um, is kind of an industrial parking lot in the middle of the night. And uh, we know why my experience through movies and so on and so on, these, you know, industrial zones are outside of the city limits. They're often scary places, perhaps. Uh, they're often typed in movies as areas of crime scene and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. So I've used that kind of idea for the background. And here, Jason is riding through this space, happy-go-lucky. Um, he's got the Canadian flag on the blue truck. And that, uh, actually, the poem, Jackie's poem, uh, helped me with that visual because the title of the poem is I Will Not Say Canada. And I thought that was very interesting, very playful and interesting. And he always drives around with a blue truck with the Canadian flag on it. But he never actually says Canada um, when he's talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, he's driving in this blue truck. He's, uh, his cargo is fire. Um, he's, he's happy-go-lucky, oblivious to everything that's going on around him in a way, like disconnected. And flinging his COVID mask out the window yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. So all of that becomes a story in and of itself. It, of course, is informed by the poetry, uh, provoked by some of the very clever titles that Jackie has um, created, and um, and it's serious and hilarious at the same time. Right. It, it's like it's like um, it encapsulates um, the ridiculousness oh. of of the times like it, it's astounding right it is so that's kind of a little bit of my process right yeah it, I was reminded while you were saying that that as I was going through your CV you started off with a psychology degree yeah <laughs> that's a long time ago <laughs> listening listening to you explain the visuals that you were coming up with that's actually, I went straight back to that because I'm like, oh, okay. she's, she's got the psychology <laughs> in there too of what's going on. I don't know. I think I've always been uh, a very compassionate person or I am a compassionate and sensitive person and um, always, um, you know, thinking d- deeper, those deeper connections. And um, I gravitated when I was young, just starting in university towards uh, psychology, and then, and then, and then I went into fine arts. That was my that was my beat. Okay, yeah, it just it's it sounded to me when I was listening to it. I'm like, well, I wonder <laughs> if that plays a bit of a a part in that. But but the foundation obviously was there to begin with. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, uh, you know, listening to music and writing down all the lyrics and deciphering the deeper meanings and this project I guess uh, draws on those ways of beings <laughs> I was actually this is I mean sort of yet not related uh Jason Markusoff uh McLean's journalist he tweeted something this morning that was and he said I think about this a lot and what it was uh Smash Mouth's 
uh, All Star, it's the beginning of Shrek. Oh yeah, it, it, right. Okay, <laughs> now everybody's there. Um, so uh, the the All Star song, someone had taken it, translated it into Arabic, and then re- turned it back into English. And when you read it, the slang is all gone, of course, mm. and so it's turned into something that sounds uh, a lot more uh, important, right? And I was, I was kind of singing it along, or at least like trying to sing it along as I was looking at these very different words and this very different sentence structure as well. But as I was doing it, I thought like this, this almost makes me want to do that with a lot more music because, because you hear it and it's, and it's maybe in the way that so many people would speak now. But when you turn it into, and I hate to say it, but or let's say old, um, older dialect, all of a sudden the words that are being used, it's, it's much more uh, impactful, let's say, mm-hmm. and, and reading it from, reading it with, with an older uh, and more, I guess, proper, uh, like not proper anyways it it just it looks it's it's more impactful to read and so like when you're Jackie when you were saying about this this form poetry how is that different than uh what most people would consider poetry like a lot of times we're looking for the rhyming we're looking for uh specific structure uh well I think found poetry Found. Um, yeah, found. this is called Sorry. found poetry. That's okay. So really, the there are a lot of different forms of found poetry. So it could be, okay. well, kind of like how my first one started, which was from a 30-minute speech from Jason Kenney. And right. I only pulled out the words of a theme, which was him naming all of who he thought were the enemies of the right. whole industry. So then I made a list of them. And that became the poem. And I formatted them on the page. And I changed the order of them. But they were all said by him. And I made it look like what we would think is a poem on the page. Right. Okay. Um, but then most of the other poems in the book were transcribed exactly as uh, as the speaker or the writer said them. And sometimes they would be exactly how they were formatted. Um, there's a couple about, uh, by, by, Jason calls them buffalo, but bison uh, at the end of the book. <laughs> some tweets that he did, and they actually are pretty much formatted exactly the way that he had them in his okay. so I didn't do anything I just wrote them down um put them on the, the page and put a title and documented it where it came from so I think there might be people I'm not really sure how to answer that question I guess there's people that maybe don't know about found poetry as a form of poetry or maybe they learned about it in school mm-hmm. and then there's some people that practice it I think a lot and uh, mm-hmm. as a form of discipline of listening so for me, it became a form of slowing things down. Like it takes some time yeah. to mm-hmm. sit with something, to think about how to place it on the page, where to put the line breaks, you know, because if it came out of the hands art, it was just written like a paragraph. And so then if I'm pulling it out and making it look to our eyes like a poem, then it also reads a little bit differently, right? I'm making right. It breaks where they weren't, where there wasn't a pause um, or maybe I put sometimes italics where there wasn't italic, but in their spoken voice, there might've been emphasis right. on something. 
So that became kind of, I think, a discipline of thinking how to represent the language on the page to let it support mm-hmm. and to think how a reader's eyes, how would a reader hear it in their mind as they read it? But I really felt like it really slowed it down because something that this government does is go fast. And there's actually a poem about that where Jason Kenney says um, that that's what they're going to do when they're elected. They're going to go fast because people can't keep up and you can just make changes as fast as you can. And that's how you get as much through as you can. And so that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And that poem is in the book where it's like documented him saying that. And so everything's going really fast. Like one day it's parks, the next day it's the curriculum comes out. And then it's the next day criticizing the enemies. And the next day it's Bigfoot. And the next day it's this thing. And, you know, and now we're going to cut healthcare. And now the nurses are kind of lazy. And like, it just goes on and on and on every day, a kind of onslaught of things that we can't keep up with. So writing them down this way, it as found poetry slowed everything down where you can just look at one thing that one person said, and it takes up lots of space on the page or mm-hmm. all pages when it really just took them like 20 seconds to say it. Right. You know, like Jason Kenny saying to journalists, like, I reject the premise of your question. Like, this is like on people's bingo cards now, right? That oh, there's yeah. <laughs> because he said it so many times, but actually like putting it down, pulls it up and like shows how it's operating as you know, he's doing it on purpose now. Yeah. He's like citing himself constantly. <laughs> and that's like interesting in itself. But I think, yeah, so for found poetry, it, for me, it's not a kind of poetry I wrote before. So not very much. And so I really was also learning how to do it in okay. this context. And so like, that was another thing when I, when I was, was first reading the about section, when you said that you needed to slow it down and I mean, I think that a lot of people could relate to that because, because you're right. It is going too fast. It's, it's manufacturing things to be of importance that aren't really of importance and, and how deeply you might have to dig to find out that's actually not of any importance. It's, it's um, which is the other thing that I quite like how, how the book is put together because it, it really kind of highlights some of these things and, and, and looking back on them, even though we lived it, I lived it for sure. I was here yeah. <laughs> and I was definitely watching those press conferences. So, I mean, even, even it manages to, to highlight in that moment in time where it's why, right. Where it's kind of like, why? Um, and so you read the poem, you, felt an immediate connection to what Jackie was writing and for Jackie, where she was getting a headline, are you getting, were you getting a picture and saying, I can do this. I I want to do this and be part of this because I'm, I, I see this. Oh, absolutely. It was so instantaneous. It was like a bolt of lightning and that's the way I describe it. It was like a bolt of lightning that went through me and just, um, you know, when you talked earlier and asked Jackie the question about, you know, with your writing and your experience too, with writing, you just got to get up and write it down. Yeah. Well, with the visuals is, is something very similar and um, I'm a very visual person. So when I close my eyes, I see images go by. Right. Right. Um, that's, that's just the way I engage with the world and how I process and so on. Um, 
And I think it's also, it's also about, um, you know, and I'm sure everybody can attest to that. It's, it's how you process your own, what's happening inside of you. It's, it's how you process um, the experience, right? Okay. Which is in this kind of complex, you know, multi um, oversaturation, if you will. Uh, that's, that's hard. That's hard to process. Yeah. Right. And you carry it. You carry it around with you. Right. And it it um, it impacts your being. So the visuals can hold that. Right. right. Because they act as symbols and as metaphors. And we know that in the arts as, and as artists as well, we play with that. Right. The right? metaphors and images and symbols and what they the juxtaposing of one image against the other. Uh, to create uh, a new meaning, right? So that that interplay is happening between the poems with Jackie's titles. I I love her titles. (laughs) I think they're amazing. They're very compelling. And I think they provoke visuals for me, those titles. I think they're visuals. Right. And so so I think we've delved into kind of where this came from and how this was. But I'm thinking... Jackie needed a push (laughs) to put her name to this and say, yes, why don't we make it public? Yeah. I'm just guessing. (laughs) Yes. Because I only was making them public for really my Facebook friends, which isn't that many people. I have a pretty curate, carefully curated list. Like I know everybody that's in there. I don't just let anybody be my friend. Right. And that's, you know, on purpose because I have a very public job and public responsibilities that come out of being a scholar. So, yeah, I needed, I guess, you know, getting one of them published in Alberta Views, like that was the first thing I was like, okay, so other people want to read these. And then I shared some of them at the People's Poetry Festival in Calgary at Loft 112 last fall. So and they had a you know, a good, I think a good response, like people start to say, like, what are you doing with this? Are you going to make a book with it? We'd read the book about it. So, and then Darlene contacting me. So that I think the combination happened at the same time, all coming around the same time, really supported me and thinking, okay, I'm going to put in the energy and compile them properly, which was a lot of work because I hadn't intended to make it public, which meant I had to go back and find the news conference. I had to listen to them. Right. Make sure I transcribe them properly. Make sure I document it all properly. So I had to really live with them in a new way. Okay. But yeah, it would, if other people hadn't collaborated with me in lots of different ways, even my Facebook friends like kind of enjoying them yeah. and commenting on them, I wouldn't probably have continued. Like it just all kind of took on an energy of its own that was like beyond mm-hmm. anything I wanted to do or needed to do or even had time to do in a way. And then it really became a different kind of project it's kind of neat, like exciting to see how something in the arts emerges that way. You know, I didn't have a plan ahead of time. It became something totally unexpected, even at the last second, like Darlene, I only finished the manuscript a couple of weeks ago and <laughs> we didn't really know. And that's because we had really by then a solid deadline because we were debuting it at the People's Poetry Festival this year and they really supported <laughs> us. And that's so we had a deadline. So we had to finalize it. We had to like decide this is the thing. Our piece of artwork is now finished. Right. (laughs) Which is I've I've heard that's difficult for artists in general. 
right? To say, yes, it is complete, especially with a looming deadline. <laughs> but you both, but you both made it. Yeah, we did. And, <laughs> and of course, that's the startup of a new term as well. So how <laughs> to get it done. <laughs> and so are you sure, are you sure that you're only going to have volume one? Not totally sure, but it, <laughs> it feels kind of finished to me. Like, you know, I've posted on our website or on our Twitter account, a few new ones that aren't in there. So there's one, you know, by the other Jason Kenny in Virginia. Yes. <laughs> so I did one on for him and I've done a few other ones that just struck me, but no, I think I've moved on to other things. It was really tiring and the documentation, yeah. the living with it. It really, I don't know. I mean, I guess we're waiting now to hear readers' experiences of it. So now the book is alive in the world and it's its own thing and free of us. And, but uh, yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, so in that sense, it's not really finished because, and we <laughs> talked, Jackie and I talked about that. Like, it's just in another stage right now. Like we've gifted it to the world and then um, we'll see how people respond. And, um, you know, at some point, we're going to take to writing about the experience. Yeah. So it is part of a, a process. And now it actually is almost more of a living document than it was the first time. Mm -hmm. It really <laughs> is. And I think it's a document that teaches as well. Like it has kind of a logical or curriculum kind of function. And <laughs> I learned a lot from doing it about even now when I read it, like every time I open it, I feel like I learned something about this political time in Alberta. And that also wasn't really my intention in writing it. So it's doing things that weren't inside of, you know, my learning objectives or my goals for the project. And that came really from paying close attention to things. So it looks like maybe easy and simple, some of them now, but like even things, there's a poem called Nut Bars, it's Dan Williams is saying it in the legislature. But when I went back to document it and went through the Hansard and I saw like he said it a couple of times and he did this, you know, member statement about Nut Bars. It was like about charter schools and something that Joe McGowan had said. And uh, anyways, I don't know. I have actually, I have it here. I can tell you. So I started to look and as I'm reading the Hansard for that day and trying to document the context, I did a search through the document and it was so clear that the UCP MLAs had been instructed to use the word nut bars as many times as possible oh. as they were speaking. So it has, I can tell you just a second, I'm just looking at the sheet here that they were supposed to amplify it. Okay. The word nut bar on that day, June 1st, 2021 was used 23 times and the nut bars was used 16 times by MLAs in their statements. And so oh. Like there's something, it just gives me the creeps. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I want to be as a citizen, I want to trust my government and I want to be properly governed. Like I want to know that things are being taken care of. And so that's why I don't really want to do another one because I've kind of had enough of paying attention to this it is really distressing to me to know that this level of ridiculousness is happening mm -hmm. and of manipulation and I, I mean, who reads the Hansard even? Like, I don't know. I do, but not <laughs> do. And like, who would even notice something like that as they read it? And so I just don't know that. So the answer to volume two, I just don't know if I have enough energy and desire and actually 
spiritual ability to face anymore of what is happening. I laugh in defense. It's true. Some days are, uh, you know, difficult to put myself back into it to, to dig into it again, because it's the, because it's, uh, it is, it's very distressing. And I've had to ask many times because I only started paying very close attention myself in 2015. So I'm, I, I'm aware of what went on beforehand, but not, not in the same way. And especially since I started following uh, Jason Kenny around the Unite the Alberta thing in 2017, mm-hmm. uh, he started in 2016, but I started following him in 2017. And so the, the depths the depths that I've gone since um, I've had to ask people who were involved for many more years than I, and say, is this normal? Because it, it, it's all that I've known and, and no, they quite regularly say it's not that this is, this is not normal. Mm-hmm. Not normal. And, you know, if we go back uh, now, I forget the name of the, of the journalist who first called Jason Kenny Bumbles, which is, or that's where his nickname Bumbles came from. It's from a 2015 National Post uh, column. And he starts referring to all the Bumbles that Jason Kenney made. And so after that, that's like why Jason Kenney got started being called Bumbles, like and nicknamed this in the press. So that was the first time. But if you go back to that 2015 article, it's easy to find. Mm -hmm. He documents this kind of stuff going back like till 2010 and before that when more when he was a minister and like okay. didn't tell the truth where his you know just like manipulated people or didn't apologize for things that went wrong and that he says like this person is not capable of apologizing and he says like he shouldn't be allowed to have a twitter account basically <laughs> and so you know we've I think seen this kind of character for a long time right. and just not as leader of our province not as leader mm-hmm. of Alberta and so I think it is something to be very concerned about that citizens should, and I think are when we see the ratings and see what right. even within the party itself, that people are very concerned about uh, what's happening. For sure. Is there anything else that you would like to leave us with? I did only go through the PDF. I will order because PDF doesn't give me all the visuals, which I cannot wait to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can order the book on jasonkennypoetryproject.com. You can also view the PDF, but like I said, I really want to see the visuals now together with those. And, and I'm excited to have a documentary that someone else put together. <laughs> I mean, not that I, not that I tire of my own voice or anything, but it's interesting to, to see what somebody else has put together and in a different way. And yeah, and I'm very excited. I, I will say that the PDF does download really well off of that website so there is a free download of it and it downloads really well onto a tablet or onto a computer and you can see all the videos there okay Um, i didn't yeah i didn't actually download i was just reading it yeah so you can download it on your ipad you'll see it like as big as the screen of your ipad it works really well on there and so people don't have to buy it they can uh download it for free if they want to read it you can read it online there it won't download onto a phone the file is too big so it doesn't allow it but okay on a tablet or computer it does allow you to download the entire thing and uh, we did suggest there that if people took it for free that they might donate to one of the organizations that supports people that jason kenny has made more vulnerable that the ucp and this time have made more vulnerable but not necessary that people do that but we don't want to profit from this at all 
And so we're not profiting from the book either. It's like printed at cost. All right. It's been wonderful having you both on. And I really enjoyed hearing the story and, uh, and hearing how it all came together. And as I mentioned, Jason Kenny poetryproject.com is where you can find it. And uh, I think that we should take your uh, advice and download it and donate to a very worthy cause. Mm-hmm.